to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. When it comes to identifying and reducing event security risks, planners must navigate a constantly shifting landscape. Health concerns around COVID-19 continue to dominate most event professional security concerns, but over the last few weeks, worries about disruptions from civil unrest have taken on growing importance. In North Star's recent Pulse survey, a number of respondents mentioned, unsolicited, that civil unrest is an issue that's impacting their events. I'm Alex Palmer, Deputy Editor of North Star Meetings Group, and to discuss these issues, we spoke with Mark Herrera, Director of Education for the International Association of Venue Managers. Herrera brings more than two decades of law enforcement experience to his role, in which he trains managers of venues that host large gatherings. For this episode of Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals, he discusses what the January 6th attack at the Capitol might mean for event security in the long run, and the strategies he teaches his members around ensuring events are held safely. Also, Herrera will be a presenter at North Star Meetings Group's upcoming Back to Booking digital event of meeting buyers and suppliers, taking place on February 23rd. Learn more at northstarmeetingsgroup.com backslash back to booking. I've worked all aspects of law enforcement in all avenues, so gangs and narcotics to training at an academy to supervising police personnel. So I had a very rewarding law enforcement career of 20, 20 plus years. I retired. When I retired, I came over to, to, to Dallas to work for the Department of Homeland Security. So my job here was working for the Department of Homeland and training all of the armed personnel on how to regain control of hijacked aircraft. And a big part of that, Alex, was training on uh, mindset. And we can dive into it here in a little bit, but, you know, the situational awareness, looking beyond the traditional security measures and looking at behavioral patterns that are not conducive to an environment. That's so key. I'd love to share that with you here in just a, in just a little bit. So DHS, very rewarding uh, career, came over to IBM in conjunction with my education manager. We oversee all the education that goes out to the entire industry. So to give you an idea of what IVM is about, first of all, we have a mission to educate, to advocate for, inspire public assembly venue professionals throughout the world. We have a civic duty to provide the best in education and information to the entire industry. And our professional members, they include managers, your senior executives, they represent auditoriums, arenas, convention centers, exhibit halls, performing arts, stadiums, universities, and amphitheaters. Member venues, they represent both publicly and privately owned venues. They attract millions of patrons, millions of guests to different types of events, right? From football to basketball to hockey to concerts to conventions. We collaborate with all of the other associations as well. You know, you have meeting planners and organizers, you have service contracts. So we, we heavily collaborate with them. They have similar challenges also. So it is so important because they're all part of the event industry. So it's important that we align with these, with these other associations. What's really interesting about what we do with IBM as well, we have a venue safety security committee made up of a combination of experienced facilitators, managers, and working professionals in the venue management industry along with safety security subject matter experts. That's the overarching committee that oversees all of the live 
training that goes out to the industry, also the, it also feeds into what we need to speak to within the curriculum for the Academy for Venue Safety and Security that focuses on those four domains, which is emergency planning, risk management, operations, and training. Key components to protecting all of these environments. And this is Academy that we have every year in person, a year one and year two. So identifying those levels of competency that individuals should have within their respective environments and all the different venue types and other organizations to better secure their environments under those four domains is what we focus on. But that overarching committee are the thought leaders to say, this is what's challenging the industry. And here's some recommended practices on how we can mitigate those and involving our federal partners to assure that we're driving the curriculum in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You're not only training all these venue managers, you're kind of a liaison between the planners to the, the venue managers in the industry, all the way to the top, like, like the Department of Homeland Security and those high level organizations. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, no, that's you're, you're right on point, Alex. We align with the Department of Homeland Security to assure that all venues provide you know best practices to enhance safety and security. IAVM, through its Venue Safety and Security Committee, in conjunction with all of the other sector subcommittees, we assist, they all assist in developing our educational content to provide tools to enhance safety and security through accepted standards and guidelines that are that are measurable. Within, within their facilities, they're very practical and they're very scalable. We work in conjunction, and to your point with DHS, with federal programs such as the National Preparedness System, the, Na- the National Infrastructure Protection Plan, and others to assure that all have a thorough plan of preparedness in securing all of their respective environments and all these commercial facilities. We basically seek professionals and subject matter experts to assist us and providing the best operational practices pertaining to critical infrastructure protection. So IAVM currently has, we have representation on the Department of Homeland Security Public Facilities Subsector Council, which is what I chair is the the public assembly side on behalf of IAVM and, and our industry. The key is that we play a vital role in partnering for critical infrastructure, security, and resiliency as well. This partnership outlines how government and private sector partnerships and critical infrastructure communities work together to manage risk and, you know, and achieve security and resilience outcomes in accordance with what is a national infrastructure protection plan. And this is a plan resulting from a presidential directive post 9-11. This is constantly changing, right? The issues that managers are having to think about. And that that was kind of the impetus for our conversation today is, is after the attack on the Capitol Hill and other concerns around civil unrest. seems like that's becoming a, a growing issue. Maybe you can speak to, to, to that specifically and also more generally as new concerns pop up, security issues, how do you bring that information to the venue managers and, and vice versa? This is great. It's a great question. That's where we are very IAVM serving as that conduit where the Department of Homeland Security can provide and share information to its members. I get information daily from CISA, the Department of Homeland Security. As they pump that information or they push that information my way, I get all of the recent updates of the current threat environment. They receive information on different environments that have been threatened or information that they've been able to capture that says, hey, 
there's an exploitation of these different types of facilities. We're receiving that information, whether it's through encrypted messaging, through social media, whether it's word of mouth, whether they receive that information, capture it immediately, but they'll kick it down. I distribute that to all of our members and those that run our, our venues. This information is so essential with what's happening today, such as what you mentioned with the capital, the information that we receive and, and the lessons learned from all of these major catastrophic incidences and crisis. This is all information that helps us build our critical infrastructure and, and makes us more resilient because our industry emulates what leadership does. The leadership that really takes the lead on heavy security postures, such as the capital, we emulate that, right? So we need to understand what went right, what went wrong, what were the challenges, what are the opportunities so that we can fix that. If you think about this for a minute, in the last 20 years, our biggest concern was international terrorism. If you recall, right. but domestic terrorism now has superseded the threat of international terrorism. Extremists that, you know, motivated by political, racial, ethnic, economic, health, and other grievances are going to be, are going to remain the most persistent and lethal threat to our homeland right now. Targeting mass gatherings is something that the threat is focused on. At events, especially during times when facilities are the most vulnerable in the midst of this crisis. If you think about this with all the furloughs and all the layoffs, the event industry is running rather lean in our staffing and our guard force. So the threat knows this. If we become very anemic in our security posture and we've become very vulnerable because we are so narrowly focused on a health pandemic, what are those precautions that we need to take to restart? We can't overlook the fact that there's a train coming from the other side or the threat wants to exploit those vulnerabilities. That's what we're doing right now through our federal partners is assuring that we protect all of these commercial facilities and all of these, you know, critical infrastructures. You mentioned like the Capitol, these are usually places you would look for models of high security. So when you saw that incident, what were some of your takeaways as someone who's needing to think about these on a daily basis, these issues? That's a very good question, Alex. And I'll tell you right now, I've had these discussions with our commercial facilities, with CISA and our, our federal partners in regards to our industry emulates what leadership does the leadership in safety and security of all the places that need to be the most secure. We know that the capital needed to be positioned in such a way that it protected representation from all that were within that facility. And that was just a direct hit on our democracy. When you stray away from what you know your protocols are to secure an environment and you allow you allow politics to attach itself to the security posture that derails it in a different direction, Alex, right? It makes those facilities the most vulnerable. And I think we know that that's exactly what happened, right? So what we've been advising all of our venue operators, our venue managers, our guest service teams that, that work within all the facilities is look, stay within your protocols, right? You know that at some point in time, you have to draw that line in the sand and you have to say, I've got to protect one of the most important assets, and that is people. And, and how am I going to do that? I'm going to do that by having you let me do my job at the end of the day to, to support that. That's even suggested by peers and the number one asset, as I mentioned before, your guest service teams on how to mitigate risk within their own respective environment. 
That is so, so critical. Alex. That's maybe we should talk about that. You were talking about the protocols to follow. Uh, you mentioned earlier, one of the most important is, is that guest services approach that, that also has a risk mitigation built into it. So maybe you can talk a little about that. I'll tell you what, I always say this and, you know, I can't say it enough. Your guest service teams, right? Your frontline staff that provides the best in guest services, they are tasked with so many responsibilities, Right. If you think about this, sometimes they're the most overlooked, undervalued, underpaid within any organization. But guess who the number one asset is to every organization? It's that frontline staff. If you think about it, they have to assure that they provide the best in guest services customer experience. They have to provide that memorable experience, right? Number one. They have to assure from a safety and security perspective that there is complete adherence to their safety protocols, right? They have to be able to spot unusual behavior that doesn't belong within those facilities that is contrary to what the baseline is. They have to be trained to do that as well and do it effectively, right? And then on top of that, Alex, they have to assure now that everybody complies with the new health protocols, right? Best example I can give you, Alex, if you walk up, you're wearing a heavy jacket, it's 100 degrees outside. Unusual, right? That's a little voice inside you that says something is not right. How do you handle that situation? I can either A, wait till you go through the all of the security measures and hope that out of all those layers, I'm able to capture potentially anything that you have hidden underneath that jacket, an improvised explosive device, right? This is not normal to wear a heavy jacket when it's 100 degrees. So, I could rely on those physical security measures or I could intercept it outside with my frontline teams in that third concentric ring. And before you ever make it to the front door or the skin of my venue, right? I've already mitigated it. How do I do that? Simple. I approach it in such a way where I don't trigger it, but I approach it in a way where it's called risk mitigation through guest service interjection. Hey, Alex, I couldn't help noticing you're wearing a heavy jacket. Let's step over here. Don't know why you're wearing a heavy jacket. It's 100 degrees, but I'm sure there's there's a reason. It's a condition maybe. Can I pull you away and let's get you some water? If you're a threat and you're trying to affect the mass crowd, you now know all eyes are on you. You're going to start displaying involuntarily, you know, physical movements to try to cover up anything that you have in that jacket. And you're not even knowing that you're doing it. I'm training teams to identify what those actions are. And that comes down to that, that individual judgment. You you can't just follow necessarily, you know, ABC, you got to, each situation might be a little different. Absolutely. Now, let me just put it to you this way. If you're a threat in the mind of a threat, if I do that, chances are he's going to go away or she's going to go away. Right. Or feel very uncomfortable that when this person says no, I'm okay and walks away, there's going to be a lot of a, a lot of nervous energy that our that teams can actually key and focus on and ultimately remove this individual before they make it into the skin of the venue or into that front part, the front entrance of a venue, right? Before they even mm-hmm. make it to the you know to all of the uh, different checkpoints and the layers of security that the venue that the venue has in place. That's a win. Now, if I'm wrong. In the assessment, hey, listen, I just I just showed you how much I care for you by offering you a, a bottle of water and removing you over here to kind of cool you down or trying to co-check your jacket so that you can be comfortable. 
guess what? From a guest service perspective, that's a win. You know, physical security measures are great. You have to have them in place. All of the technology, all the physical security measures, I call it a band-aid within every facility. But it's a much needed band-aid because what it does is it deters the common element, the common threat. But sometimes we don't have that common threat. I always talk about what are the objectives of these guest service teams? It's to increase personal safety, decreasing stress when they encounter someone that is uncooperative. It's training them on how to program the mind through mental preparation to see beyond beyond their preconditioned expectation as it relates to potentially potentially disruptive behavior or dangerous situations. So being able to look beyond that, right? It's enhancing conflict management and assisting in preventing confrontations from becoming volatile or violent situations. It's identifying, you know, pre-assault indicators. What you're talking about is on that individual level. And for planners, that's their entire team. They should also be aware that, you know, every person at the registration desk should be thinking about these same points. But what about the communication side? Because especially as we looked at the Capitol, what happened, it seemed like there was a real communication breakdown. What about that aspect of it? Making sure that the person on the ground is getting their information up to the person at the top or that there is a clear sort of line of escalation if something needs to be moved up and also just communication between these different components of an event security. That is a huge component of securing environments. How do you communicate with your teams internally? What are the protocols that these teams have to follow is critical, is key, but it all begins at the top. You have to have strong leadership that allows the information to flow from the bottom up. You have to have the support to know and understand that there are certain protocols within your incident response plans that you have to follow. These emergency action plans have to be not only reviewed, but they need to be practiced on a regular basis, especially post-crisis. Everyone that's assigned to a specific task needs to know and understand what their role is in the midst of crisis and what they are responsible for. And they need to be allowed to have a voice in being able to identify all of the different risks, you know, but also have a voice in what they recommend recommend the mitigation efforts are to, to, to protect those environments. So if everybody follows those protocols, they're able to communicate this information across in the midst of crisis, things flow very, 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 very fluid. But again, if politics attaches itself and derails the physical security measures and the, and, and the posture the posture of a facility from a security perspective, it has an effect on everyone. That's that's where you potentially have, you know, no different than the capital, you're going to have lives that are, that are lost at the end of the day. If I can leave everybody with, with one little catchphrase, it would be this. Somebody says, emphasis on too much safety and security builds, uh, builds paranoia. On the contrary, preparedness beats paranoia. I'd rather give you the tools to mitigate the risk that you will, that you could, or will potentially encounter than having you sit on your heels in the midst of crisis with no plan of action whatsoever. So let us give you the tools and let us utilize all of the resources to weaken so that we can assure that you protect yourself and your respective environment at the end of the day. Excellent. Well, that's a great note to, to wrap it up on. Thank you so much, Mark, for taking the time. Thank you, Alex. It's always a pleasure. Hello will be a presenter at North Star Meetings Group's upcoming Back to Booking digital event of meeting buyers and suppliers. 
taking place on February 23rd. Learn more at northstarmeetingsgroup.com backslash back to booking. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us and check back for new episodes soon. 